Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. Of course, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue, the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. And now that it's summer, as you're lounging around or doing gardening work or just watching the Stanley Cup final or whatever it may be, what better way than to top off your day with a nice, cold, refreshing Labatt Blue. And as always, we ask that you drink Labatt Blue responsibly. And with that said, in episode 112, let's bring in our guest. It's the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, Jeff Blaschel. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Art. All right. Uh, I, let, let's start with the uh, the World Championships. Obviously, this American team uh, was, uh, was loaded. Uh, you know, your guys, the power play was just extraordinary. But as sort of happens in this kind of tournament, when you get to that single elimination round, the way it fell, you play uh, Russia, uh, a team that was really, really just annihilating teams. You end up losing that uh, very close game 4-3. to three. Uh, What was this experience like the third time that you were the head coach of Team USA? I know you were disappointed uh, the team did not get a medal, had a medal last year, a bronze medal, but uh, what was this experience like for you, Jeff? Well, certainly disappointed in the end result. Uh, You know, we went over there with the goal of winning a gold medal, and we weren't able to do that um, or really compete for that when it was all said and done. So that that was disappointing without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I think the experience is always great in a number of different areas. One, uh, it's a it's a very very uh, fun tournament to be a part of. The energy uh, surrounding the hockey is amazing. I've said that lots. Uh, if you've never been to a World Championship and you're a hockey fan, uh, you should certainly go. It's a it's an, a really amazing experience with the passion that the fans have, that each country's fans have for uh, for their teams is really really awesome. So. That part of it. The other part that's probably more important for, for me personally is just the learning experience you go through. And, and you learn a number of different facets. Uh, you One, you get a chance to coach uh, a lot of different guys. And, and when, when you coach those different players, you learn from them. You learn uh, different things about them, different ways they do things. You pick up things, and it's, it's a really neat experience that way, too. Uh, you know, we had a chance on our staff to coach with John Hines, was a member of our staff with Dan Bowsman, Adam Nightingale, and myself and Kevin Ryder. And, you know, John is somebody I've known a long time, coached the national team development program for a long time, came up through college hockey, similar to me. Um, but we've never coached together. We've, we've had discussions, we've talked hockey, but we've never coached together. And there is no... Uh, there is no experience in coaching like coaching with another person in order to learn from them. And, you know, I, I go to coaching clinics. I'm on my way to a coaching clinic right now. But the reality is the clinics are, are, are fine and, and you can pick up a tidbit here and there. But when you're in real life action, that's when you really learn. And so, you know, to, to see different ways that, that John did things, I think was awesome. Uh, you know, I know I learned a lot from him. I hope he picked up some stuff from us. And, and that's a, a, a neat part about it. Um, so from those two aspects, I think it's always a good experience. Uh, you know, we could never get ourselves going in the turn. We never got playing at a real high level. And one of the challenges that the U.S. teams and teams for that matter face is we get together much later than much of the, most of the other countries. And we do that because if we got together earlier, uh, we'd have more no's. And the more guys would say no, that it's a heck of a commitment that our players give us to begin with after a long NHL season and then flying, you know, to a, to a, uh, to, to Europe to have to play, uh, to ask him for more time is, is probably not in our best interest. So, 
you have to try to get on the same page as fast as possible. And I've been part of teams that uh, got on the same page fast and seemed to find their groove early. We couldn't. You know, we lost the first game to Slovakia. Um, I think when you play the host country uh, in your first game, you're at a bit of a disadvantage. And, and similar to two years ago when we lost to Germany, um, it's, a, it's a hard game. They've been together for six weeks at times, and we've been together for four days. And so, you know, that makes it difficult. But with that said, we just couldn't get it going. We never got going to a high level until we got to the Russia game. And I thought in the Russia game, uh, you know, the first the first half of the the first half of the first period, we were on our heels big time. They took it to us big time. The rest of the game, I thought we played great. So we played our best hockey at the end. Unfortunately, we put ourselves in a position to have to play the the number one seed, and that number one seed happened to be super talented. But as you saw with Finland winning the tournament, with really out any NHL. Uh, regulars or certainly not any NHL stars, uh, with the exception of, of Kaku, who's going to be a real good NHL player, uh, probably the one or two pick overall. Um, you saw the fact that they won it. It speaks to how hard a tournament it is to win. It's uh, uh, the, 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 It means tons to the European teams. Um, it's something they grow up watching, similar that we do to the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs as, as North Americans. Um, and it's played on a big sheet. And it's just a little bit different hockey, and it takes a while for our guys at times to get used to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that three years in a row we've brought teams over there that were good enough to win it. Um, I'm excited that's where American hockey's got to, that we have that level of depth of elite players. Um, I know we're going to win it at some point. I really uh, wanted it to be this year. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Well, when you look at it, and, and real quickly, because I, I, I want to jump around a little bit because we only have you for a limited time, but you just said it. You were, you, you were thinking like I was. You you play Slovakia, who's the home, a home country. Two years ago, you played Germany. Is that just the luck of the draw, or do they want the United States, which is a very high-end featured team, NHLers on the entire roster, to do that? Because obviously, they're into it in these countries. I mean, they, they, they don't lack selling tickets for those games. I mean, how, how does that come about or do you just when you look at the draw and you say geez we've got the home country again yeah i think the home country is an opportunity to help set the schedule up a little bit and certainly for for drawing purposes and not that they won't draw because they will but it really gives a it brings a fever to the beginning of the tournament when when a host country can play a canada or the u.s because of the number of nhl stars that are on the team and and certainly uh, the environment was awesome. And, and, you know, we lost the game. We didn't play good. But, man, what an environment. What a cool experience to be a part of. And, and um, so so certainly that's part of it. It's it's part of, you know, the, the, the process that we have to go through. But that doesn't not allow us to have success. Like, we, we could have success in that game, and we certainly could have more success in the tournament. You know, our, 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 our blemish in the end, the one that probably we, we lost the point to Finland, and that pushed us uh, to the four seed. If we had got, gained that point, and Germany didn't go on such a hot run, we would have been the three seed. And I think at that point you're playing, you know, the Czech team, which was a real good team, but it wasn't Russian. I think we had a chance maybe to get our game going at a high level at that point, but it wasn't It wasn't to, to be. Uh, very, very bitterly disappointing, uh, but with that said, a great experience. Okay, I, I want to ask you, you know, obviously Dylan uh... – I was joking around with Danny DeKaiser at the uh, bike event the Red Wings had. That is Dylan Larkin going to be uh, forever a soprano now? We kind of laughed about it, but how is Dylan doing? I mean, it, you know that you know he obviously was in great pain. I I felt bad for Pete Van Zant trying to comfort him on the uh, on the U.S. bench. Uh, what is Dylan's status right now? 
Yeah, Dylan's going to be fine. It, it was, uh, you know, obviously real unfortunate. It's a tough area to get hit in. Uh, um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where he's left unprotected coming off the faceoff, and it happened to hit him in that spot, and uh, super painful. As much pain as I've ever seen a player in, to be honest with you. And, and um, you know, there was some worry that potentially he was going to have to have some exploratory surgery uh, the night of the game, and, and, and fortunately for him, uh, things settled down and, and the doctors deemed it not necessary and we were able to get him back home and, and uh, everything's going to be all right. So there'll be no, uh, to my knowledge, any long-term effect of it. Just, uh, you know, two things. One, a ton of pain for, for Dylan to have to go through. And two, we lost the heck of a player that I think could have really helped us throughout the rest of that Canada game and in the Russia game. Well, yeah, I, I think he really shows, not that he doesn't in the, in the Red Wings uniform, especially last season, but... His motor, not only is it high, but he is definitely a leader, and that goal he scored in overtime was absolutely uh, incredible. Yeah, you know, Dylan's done a good job uh, over at the World Championships. I think it was his fifth year in a row. You want to talk about a great level of commitment to USC hockey, to his country. Uh, you know, those again, it's a super long tournament. It taxes you mentally, um, and, and he's done it, I think, five years in a row. It's an amazing thing for him. Um, so, you know, we'd like to be in the playoffs to avoid that, but, but, but given that, he was given the choice each year, and he said, yes, yeah, so good for him. You know, Dylan's growing into uh, a heck of a two-way center. You know, I'd, I'd like to continue to, and he wants this, to, to push himself to be uh, the best two-way center in the league, and by two-way, I mean winning. Like, I think sometimes two-way centers get, get you know, thought of as, as maybe defensive players. I think the best two-way players in the world are the best winners. You know, we've got a great example of two teams that have some really good two-way centers playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, and certainly Patrice Bergeron is one of the best, what I deem, winning centers in the league. And I think Dylan's really pushing towards becoming one of those types of players. And so, um, you know, I thought it was another step in the right direction, and, and hopefully we can continue that trend as we get into next year. How uh, beneficial was this for Luke Glendening? I mean, he was a plus three. He was in on, on – you had great face-off men. I mean, you know, obviously this is an all-star team. But, uh, you know, Luke being on this team, how will that benefit him, do you believe? Um, well, I think, you know, I think anytime you're around the, the different level of players that, that you're around when you're on these teams, you, you can learn certain things and learn a, a number of things. I also think it's a great life experience. You know, Luke didn't grow up uh, playing for the National Team Development Program. He didn't grow up. Uh, playing on teams representing the U.S. And, I, I, you know, when, when somebody like Luke gets the opportunity to represent the U.S. and you haven't really done it, I think it's an unbelievable experience and something that you should really cherish. And I know he, he, he did and will. And so I think just from that life experience, it's great. Um, you know, and also I thought Luke made a statement. He, he made a statement that, again, with the very, very best players in the world, he can have a huge impact. And, and if you look at the Russia game going into the second period, I put him between Kane and Gaudreau because he's such a good forechecker. He's such a good puck battler. He's such a good defensive player. It allowed those two the freedom to, to anticipate uh, and at times even cheat offensively because he looks after him defensively. And, and, and I thought he was outstanding in that role. Uh, against the very, very, I mean, honestly, that's a, that's basically Russia's Olympic team with the exception of one or two players. So, um, you know, I thought it was a heck of a job by him. Uh, another big statement by Luke to the impact he can have on winning. And there's lots of different skill sets. You know, some guys really skate fast. Some guys have unreal shots. Uh, competitiveness and, and, and desire to win is a skill. And, and 
boy. I don't know if anybody's got it more than him. And, and right with him would be Dylan Larkin. When you look at this uh, uh, as a whole, this whole tournament, I, I want to jump around to a couple of other Red Wings that were on other teams. Let's go first to Team Canada. Uh, obviously, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi did not pro play probably the role that he thought he was going to, or, or that team kept adding players, it seemed like. More guys were coming over. I know the U.S. added a Zach Wierenski uh, as well, but uh, it was always, I guess, a roster in flux is what I'm going to say. But uh, Anthony Mantha certainly seemed to take a next step. Something I think that everyone who has seen him play over the years, I wasn't surprised that he was on a Canadian All-Star team and was one of their best players and you know obviously Mark Stone was great obviously just great and that was a great trade for Vegas by the way but anyway I'm just kinda curious the steps that you think Anthony and Tyler took being in that environment and especially in Mantha's case uh, playing exceptionally well well, well I think in both they're, they're kinda different learning experiences but but for Tyler um, you know I'm a huge believer in Tyler I think he's a heck of a player uh, a heck of a winner um, he just got himself in a spot where obviously when you sign up for these teams, there's tons of great players and, and the coaches have to make decisions very, very quickly on who they want to go with. And, and those are hard decisions to make. I've made them. And in the end, uh, he was kind of the, the bit of the odd man out. And that's a hard thing to go through. Now, I hope it, it puts another chip on Tyler's shoulder and he comes out ferocious next year and proves that, uh, you know, he is one of the very best players in the league in his own way. Uh, that he can have that kind of impact. I really think he can. So I think for his sake, I think it, it could lead to uh, uh, real good things having gone through some, some adversity. And I think adversity can be a great builder for people. I think in, in Anthony's case, you know, people talked about what a great tournament he had, and he, and he had a great tournament. But I think let's not forget that at different points in the year, he had, a, he had great, great moments this season. You know, before he got injured, uh, sticking up for Dylan Larkin, uh, he was really, really starting to, to, to play well in, in the first half of the year. And then the sec, the end of the year, you know, I thought all our big guns were outstanding, including Anthony. And I thought he just built on that as he went into the, into the world championships. And, you know, Anthony's done that before. He was a really good player for Team Canada in the World Juniors. Um, he's got a skill set that is world class. Uh, you know, he's got the big body. He can really skate. He's got a, real, a great shot. He can pass it and he can think offensively. So, you know, him and Kyle Turris found real good chemistry together. Um, they were able to, to, to produce at a high level. And I thought he played, he played outstanding hockey. So, um, you know, I think overall uh, it was a great, great tournament for him. Again, I'm hoping that he can build that into uh, into into a real springboard for this season. When you look at uh, let's uh, let, let's really jump around, but uh, again, I know we talked about this at the end of the season. I remember asking a question after uh, one of the last home games of the year. But when you when if you have a definitive number one line in Dylan, Tyler, and Anthony, that really I'm not going to say makes your job easier, but it really kind of uh, has kind of an umbrella effect and is really something that is in maybe the Red Wings case, because it hasn't happened in a couple of seasons, something that could, would really be beneficial to this club? There's no doubt about that. I think, the, the first of all, if you can put an elite line on the ice, uh, that's what that's what you have to do. You're, you're, the, the difference in the league lots of times is based on those elite players. And so if you can put an elite line on the ice, um, that's a great starting point. And what it does, too, is it, it creates a little bit of uh, trickle-down effect where, 
each line then slots in properly in in in, in the role and they can they can really really establish their own games and and I think there's a synergy involved in that um, you know certainly Andreas Athanasiu but it would then be uh, considered a, a great 1A um, and, and his ability to produce offense at a high level and and now well, what what you know Dylan's line might do is is they might be able to go up against you know, they might draw the other team's top defenseman and now it, it allows Andreas to play against maybe second uh, pairing defenseman and and now you start to build some advantages and if you can build from there and then have a, a third and fourth line that have certain identities now you've really started to build your team you know I think over the last number of years now uh, we haven't had enough separation from player to player. And we'd get opportunities like six on five, and it wasn't clear cut who those six players were going on the ice. And I think as we move through the season, and as these young players have grown, it becomes much more clear cut. Every time there's a six on five, you know those forwards, those four forwards I mentioned, they're going to be on the ice. And I think that's a that's an advantage to have that type of hierarchy. Now you certainly want competitiveness within your group, but to have that type of hierarchy, I think can really set your team up, um, and everybody then knows their role and, and can excel within their role. When you, uh, 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 so, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jeff, and they're, and they're you know, heck, we have a, a full offseason here, a draft to come up, free agency, all that, but at this point, Double A is definitely penciled in as the number two center on this club. You see him, he did enough last season, much like Larkin did a couple of seasons ago, when you moved him to center the last 20 games or so of the season, to show you that he can handle that position, second line center or center in the NHL. I thought you said you didn't want to put words in my mouth. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, I, I thought I would butter you up, and maybe you would, maybe yeah, you would put them yeah. in your own mouth. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, you know, Double A did a real good job at the end of the season. Uh, uh, you know, I thought, I thought with him paired with Luke Lindang was a good match. Uh, it took some of the defensive pressure off Double A too. If, if Luke was back first, he could, he could do the defending. Um, if, if Double A was back first, he could do the defending, and, and I thought he did a real good. Uh, it was a real good synergy between the two of them. Um, you know, as I said at the end of the year, uh, I would anticipate right now that Double A would be our second line center. Um, you know, and, and then he, and then his job is to prove that that line's better than the top line, and hopefully you create that type of competition. Um, but but I also would say, you know, we're going into free agency in the draft, as you said, and I think it's premature at any point. Uh, to talk too much about your lines or about where guys fit uh, until you know what your picture looks like. And, and, and there's a number of factors in that, uh, including injuries. So let's see what it looks like as we get into September. But certainly I thought he did a really good job of, uh, of, of playing in that role. Um, Philip uh, Hronik uh, played very, very well. He was on the all-tournament team. Uh, certainly, uh, I know you're all focused in on the United States, and he was in the, uh, I guess, the other draw or the other, I don't know how much you actually saw him, but you obviously have to be pleased with the tournament that he had. Yeah, I, I did not get a chance to see him much. We, we, he was in the other pool, so they didn't play. We were in Kosici, and he was in Bratislava, so I didn't get a chance to see him play a whole bunch. Um, I know as we started to get ready for the crossovers, you know, Adam Nightingale was in charge of uh, pre-scouting those teams, and he said he played well, real well. I uh, thought he looked excellent, actually. Um, you know, the fact he had a great term, I think, is great for him. It, it continues to build confidence and hopefully continues to build his game. You know, I think Phillips got, a, got an opportunity to be a real top-four defenseman that can help a team win. Uh, I think he can defend. I think he's hard. Uh, I think he can produce offense. I think he can run a power play, and I ultimately think he can be a good penalty killer. 
Um, there's growth that needs to happen, and he needs to, to make sure his mindset's excellent this summer. Uh, we've given him a couple things that I want him to get better at over the course of the summer, and if he continues to make the strides that he's made, he can move into those roles. But, again, there's tons of work ahead for all our guys, and he's no different. But certainly it was a good tournament, and we're hoping that, that he can build, uh, you know, similar to Anthony Mantha, it can be a real platform for a great year next year. Well, somebody uh, won a gold medal that was at least Red Wings property, and that uh, is Finnish defenseman, has a little bit of Western Michigan uh, uh, background too, so I know that makes you uh, happy there, Jeff. But Oliver Kasky, uh, I, I would just assume that he is in the mix to, to, to make the club. Well, I think he did a good job, you know, first making that team and, and second, uh, how he played in the tournament. I did get a chance to see him play lots. I actually had a chance to watch him practice. I had a, so it was a great opportunity for me to get a better feel for his game. And, um, you know, I, I thought he made good statement. Uh, to say that he should be a guy that, that uh, has an opportunity to make the hockey club. And I would say today, as I sit here, I think he's got a real opportunity to make the team. Um, now, the World Championships and the Olympic sheet are a different game than the NHL. It just is. And that's why I think at times it's real hard uh, you know, to win the tournament because it's a real different game. So, you know, you, you never know with guys who haven't played a whole bunch on the small sheet especially in the last little bit, how good they're going to be once they get over here. I think the pressure that you face in the NHL for defensemen on, the, on, the, on, on their breakouts of the opposing team's forechecks is immense. It's way different than anything you'll see in European hockey. And so um, that's the part you just can't replicate and you can't predict. You know, how, uh, how is he defensively? How does he handle some of those things? How much stronger can he get over the course of the summer? He has to get stronger. Can he get stronger? What he has, Art, is a weapon. He can mm -hmm. really, really shoot the puck. He's excellent from the offensive blue line. He knows how to walk the line. He knows how to slide into areas, get open. He not only can shoot the puck, but he has a mentality that he's going to shoot it every time he gets it. And we were one of the worst teams in the league at producing offense from the back end. So, you know, as we look to try to uh, even the gap of, of, of the negative goal differentiation we had, certainly there's an area that, you know, we need to be better on the defensive side of the puck, but we need more goals. And he's somebody that can potentially do that. But in the NHL, it's hard to outscore. Well, it's almost impossible to outscore your mistakes unless you're uh, you know, Brett Burns or an Eric Carlson or those types of players. So he's going to have to prove that he can defend uh, uh, to, to out. Uh, to, to a level that uh, his scoring and his scoring progress outweighs any any lack of defending. So, you know, I hope he turns into a heck of a player. He's got a real chance to. Um, he's a late bloomer. Let's see. Let's see. As he comes to camp, let's see how good he can do. Um, I wanted to ask you about Jack Hughes, but I know we're running out of time, so I want to talk a little bit about the shift in the organization. Uh, last time uh, we spoke, Ken Holland was the general manager. Stevie, uh, Steve Eiserman was still in... Uh, uh, was in Tampa Bay. Uh, what kind of relationship do you have with, I know what kind of relationship you have with Kenny, what kind of relationship do you have with Steve? Uh, I, it, have, have, you, have you been able to talk much or, or what, what's been going on that way since he became general manager as far as uh, your relationship with him? Well, I'd start by saying Steve and I have had a cordial relationship up until the point he, he took the job as general manager. Um, you know, I've known him I don't know, last number of years. Yeah, we obviously have a relationship with John Cooper, who was his head coach in, in, in Tampa. And and so, you know, we've interacted a few times. Um, I would say it's a relationship that will grow. 
And, you know, we had an opportunity to meet for a while before I left for the World Championships. We've since had an opportunity to meet for a while since I've been back. Um, I think his vision's clear. Uh, I understand it. Um, and now i got to continue to go out and do my job to the best of my ability. You know, I think I'm real fortunate. Um, ultimately, all of, all of, you know, my first two general managers uh, will, will ultimately, Steve's in the Hall of Fame, and I know Ken will be a Hall of Famer, and that's a pretty, pretty unique thing. So I just think I'm real fortunate to have had the, 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 the two bosses I've had. I look forward to uh, continuing the mission that uh, we've been on here to, to build this Red Wing program uh, back to the level that, that we all want it to be at. Um, and do it the right way, and I know Steve will do it the right way, and as Ken was trying to, there's no shortcuts to success in this league, and if you try to take shortcuts, you end up floundering for a long time. You got to do it right. You got to be patient, and you got to you got to draft, and you have to develop. That's the reality of life in this league. I know that's what Steve's committed to. I know that's what Ken was committed to, and I look forward to continuing the process of most importantly my job, developing our young players. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, I does he. Do you think he will rely on you more? I mean, he obviously knows the Red Wings or knows some of these players being in Tampa and playing against them, yet uh, does he does he want to get your, not that Kenny didn't, but is it a little bit different where he might be, I don't know, for lack of a better term, Jeff, picking your brain a little bit more about what exactly do we have here, Jeff? Well, you know, I guess... That question's a little bit for him in, in some ways. I don't want to speak for, for Steve. I think if, anytime anybody takes over a new job, you know, part of the process of, of taking that job over is a discovery process, and, and, and I'm sure Steve's in that discovery process of uh, picking a lot of people's brains, and certainly I'm one of them with regards to our players and that. So um, Steve's uh, a very smart, smart person, and, and I know uh, he'll go about his process to, to determine what – the next best steps are. I know this is probably another question for Steve, but I'm going to throw it out there. Um, uh, you know, Luke Witkowski brings a lot to this team, a lot that fans don't really see, but what he does, and he doesn't play a whole lot of games and all that, but as a great teammate, he can play uh, up front or on the back end. Uh, do, you, do, do, you know, do you think he's an unrestricted free agent? Steve had him in Tampa. Uh, any, any thoughts on Luke at this point? Well, you're, you were right in your first comment that that's a question for Steve, and, and I'll let Steve answer, you know, player personnel decisions. That's, uh, you know, that's to, to a large degree his job, not to say we won't talk about it. The only comment I'd say on Luke is he's a great person, a great competitor, and a great teammate. Those things are facts. Uh, I've known Luke a long time, and those are facts. So, But I'd let Steve answer, you know, any type of player personnel decisions that, that we, we might or might not make, and, and honestly... I don't think you'll get that answer from him either. Right. No, I definitely. I know I won't. That's why I asked you, Jeff. So I. Yeah. So, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, really. I, I might as well try to put you on the spot. Uh, so yeah. then I guess asking about player buyouts and stuff like that is probably off the table as well. Yeah, yeah, that's above my pay grade. Uh, or no, again, those are questions for Steve, and I'm not. I'm not here to talk about that. But, but. You know that that's just the reality of it. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, uh, and I know that uh, that you've got to go, but uh, uh, very very quickly, when when you look at the, at this this entire Red Wings team and what has been put together, and uh, you know the draft coming up, I, I would assume that uh, you know defense is probably an area that you would like to uh, 
concentrate on. However, uh, unless uh, a defenseman who plays for the what the Vancouver Giants on the Western League, uh, uh, Bowen Byram is is available. This is a high-end forward uh, draft, especially early on. Uh, I'm kind of curious. How involved are you in that? I know usually you're not, but have you? had any opportunity to to look at some of these prospects i know that jack hughes was on your roster nhl coaches generally are not involved in the, in the nhl draft much different than a football or basketball we just can't get out and see uh the players uh at any to any close to fashion that you would need to to make educated decisions and if we see players you're only seeing part of the pool and anytime somebody gets involved where they've only seen part of the pool uh, that's trouble you know when I was a head coach in the in college uh, I was very very cognizant of letting my assistants do their jobs and their jobs were to recruit the players unless I saw everybody involved and if you don't see everybody involved you really can't make educated comparisons so um, you know like most like I think every NHL coach and who gets drafted. Um, I would just say ultimately that we're, we're at a spot in our organization where we need you know we need elite players and, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, the continued development of some of our young players that they can grow into being elite elite players in the NHL and we're able to draft some elite players regardless of position. Okay, Jeff. Uh, uh, one final question. Uh, as much as uh, I, I, you know, as, you know, I, I've known Steve uh, a, a long, long time. Uh, but any Ken Holland was a very special man. I think anybody that worked with this Red Wing organization over the years, uh, I, you know, bittersweet. I mean, it's I still have trouble watching him. You know, behind uh, the an Edmonton Oilers screen, but uh, uh, you know, I, 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 why don't you reflect upon your relationship maybe with Ken Holland and, and, and what he means maybe to you and how how much he's helped he's helped me in my career. I know he's helped your career obviously too. Well, when 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 all this kind of shook down, you know, I was able to send a note to Ken, and I just I just thanked him, and 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 and, and actually, prior to that, I was able to have a conversation with him when when Steve was coming in and. Basically, Ken's been an unbelievable mentor to me. Um, you know, one, he gave me opportunity, but way more important than that, uh, he's been an unbelievable mentor to me. He's an, he's an outstanding human being. He's an outstanding hockey person. Uh, my wife has a saying, some people are smart and some people are wise. Um, he's both. He's smart and wise. He sees the world as it is. Uh, he's able to decipher and, 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 and through lots of different situations. I thought he did a great job in Detroit in the, in the latter years of staying true to what he believed in and not succumbing to uh, the pressure that that, that uh, general manager faces. And, and uh, people want snap decisions that are going to uh, change the fortunes of a franchise in an instant. But as I've said earlier, that doesn't happen. That's not reality of life. It's like a, a diet that you go a crash diet. They never last for a long term. And, and Ken did an unreal job of, of setting this organization up for future success for the long term. And, and I can't say enough positive things about Ken as a person, uh, certainly as a mentor and as a boss. And uh, I really enjoyed working with him. And with that said, I really look forward to uh, this new uh, ride that will go on with Steve and, and look forward to having the opportunity to, to work under what obviously is he's proven himself to be uh, a great great general manager in the league and feel real fortunate uh that that again my first two bosses in the nhl are two of the most highly regarded uh, general managers in the league well jeff I, I know that you've got a you've got an incoming call here so uh uh thanks for joining us on the red and white authority uh i really appreciate it uh 
thanks a lot. And you know, I know this is going to sound corny, but being an American, uh, I just want to thank you because I know what the grinds of an NHL schedule are, especially the hours you put in as a head coach. And for you to, what, three years in a row now, uh, right after your season's over, to go overseas and uh, uh, coach Team USA, I just want to say thank you for that, Jeff. That's a great thing. And, you know, I do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I always wish you nothing but the best. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, in my opinion, we live in the best country in the world, and, and USA Hockey is an outstanding organization that's been great to me. So when I'm asked, I say yes every time, and uh, really have enjoyed the experience. So thanks for having me on, Art. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it.